Hey, we're in a series uh, called Stories, and what we're doing is we're just telling biblical stories that um, have encouraged us or inspired us. And so last week, we uh, took a look at Nehemiah, and if you didn't get the chance to hear it, go online, go to YouTube, and you can look up Shine Church CEO for Colorado, and you can grab a hold of the messages there and listen to any one of those. Uh, I strongly recommend it. I really feel like God gave us just some real strategy as a church in how to move forward. But this week, what I would like to go into is the start of the church as we know it, the start of the church as we know it. And so I'm going to read um, some sections from the book of Acts, uh, because what we find is uh, Luke, who is the author of that uh, book, actually does an incredible job explaining to us um, what the early church formation looked like. And so I need to give you just again a little bit of background before we jump into what I think and hope for uh, you is a very encouraging, and that is this, Luke. Um, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then right after that, some say about a year later, wrote the book of Acts. Now, when was it written? It was written somewhere between 30 years and 50 years after Jesus had died and rose again and then was ascended into heaven, right before their very eyes, as Luke testifies to this. Um, so I... Some scholars say it was as early as 60 A.D., others say it's 80, and some even say it's 90 A.D. So there's, there's a little bit of a difference there, but here's what I do know. There's at least 30 years and as many as 50 years in between when Jesus actually died and rose again and when Luke wrote this down. And that's important because we got to get that picture in our mind because here's what's happening. Luke is actually telling a story of the early church and how the church church started. And this wasn't a um, an account where he was writing it down as it was happening. You know there's a difference between a minute-by-minute minute accounting of what's taking place and a recollection of what took place several years ago. Yes? If I were to ask you to tell me your story, one of the things that we're doing um, in our staff, and actually we're going to start doing in our house churches, is we're actually going to uh, start telling our stories and just get into our lives. And when you tell your story, here's what happens. You look back at your life and you pick the key elements that formed and shaped and made you who you are, yes? You don't tell stories that don't make that impact. You don't tell the little things like, well, I remember when I was in third grade and um, I had a bowl of ice cream. And what, what, what happened then? Oh, no, that's it. I just had a bowl of ice cream. That doesn't come out in the storytelling because there's not this huge impact. Now, if it was like eight scoops of ice cream and you had got to do all the toppings and all the things and it changed your life forever, now that's something you would add. Yes? And so get the picture here. We have Luke telling us an account of the early church. And I think it's really important to understand that when he wrote this book, he wanted you and I to understand the highlights and the most important facts of the early church. And he was telling the story from the idea, I believe, that not only for the first writers or readers, but for us today, he wanted us to grab a hold of this is what the church should look like. Yes? All right. Pastor DJ is always really uh, good and uh, 
very articulate when it comes to these kind of things. He's got uh, a term called narrative and normative. Am I saying this right, DJ? Narrative and normative. Narrative is scripture that is told kind of like a story like we have here in Acts. Normative is scripture that um, when you read it, it's this is what you need to do. DJ, did I do that right? Beautiful. Okay, so when we read through the story of Acts, there's a lot of narrative conversation there, which means this. We're going to read a section in a minute that says that they sold all of their possessions and gave to one another. Now, does that mean we all need to go out and sell our possessions to, to be the church? John says yes. All right. I'm looking forward to your offering next weekend. It's what happened. It's what took place. It's what the Holy Spirit was doing at that time. I don't believe that God is doing that right now, but we will talk about, you know, could he? Could he speak that to you? And so I want you to understand that as we go into this story, there is a narrative, but the thing about the narrative piece is that there are really important truths that I believe that you can pull out and let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to each one of us. And so let's do that as we go into this story. So Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, and we ask that you would just speak to each one of our hearts. God, we thank you for the stories in the Bible that give us such life, that give us such encouragement, that challenge us, that come into uh, our living rooms and just um, shape and, and hone us into the believer that you want us to be. But Lord, I pray right now for everybody listening to me that your words would be an encouraging uh, that these words that I communicate would be just encouraging to every believer, every, everyone listening to me right now. And Lord, those areas where you want to challenge us, Lord, may we receive the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, there is no condemnation. There is no guilt in these stories. Um, but Lord, if you want to use them to touch our hearts and to challenge us, Lord, we give you permission and we say, yes, Holy Spirit, yes. And so, Lord, we give you this message. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and communicate your heart to everybody listening, whether here in person or online. But, Lord, we love you and we give you honor, glory, and praise for what you have done um, for us and what you continue to do in us. And, Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so here's Luke's highlights. I'm going to blaze through a bunch of things, and then I'm going to camp out on one particular thing. First thing is this, the very first instruction that Luke wanted us to see and to, to observe what happened in regards to the early church, the very first instruction, let me read this scripture and I'm going to ask you to see what you get out of it. Acts 1, 3 through 5, after his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. How cool is that? He appeared to them for a period of 40 days after he had died, been put in the grave. He rose from the dead, and for 40 days. That's pretty cool. This isn't just one person. There's a lot of witnesses that saw this. If anybody doubts, well, I don't believe that Jesus actually died and rose again. We have record of this, not only here in the Bible, but in other history books. But for 40 days, he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As I read through that, 
What's the first instruction that Jesus gave to the disciples that Luke wanted us to grab a hold of? Wait. How many of you like waiting? Not a single hand in the room. I don't like waiting. And I think it's very important. And man, this just jumped out at me as I was studying through this. I believe Luke was very intentional to make sure that he brought this out. He could have just started with Acts 2. Hey, they were all in an upper room and the Holy Spirit started coming. He didn't start there. He started with this. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, wait. And I would want, I, and I, I, my heart and what I'm hoping for and what I want is that you would grab a hold of this because I believe with all of my heart that God will give us instruction and then he'll say, wait, wait, wait. Is there something that God has spoken to you that you are having a difficult time waiting for the completion of that? And for some people, you know, the very first story we talked about was Moses. He had to wait 40 years. He messed it up, and he had to wait another 40 years. And I'm not saying that you have to wait 40 years, but I do believe that many times when God speaks something to our hearts, there's a weight to it. In my life, one of the examples of this was when we moved from South Carolina and we came back to Highlands Ranch, where Pastor John had started Jubilee Fellowship, and we felt very strongly that we were supposed to support him, even though um, it meant that I was going to have to go back into um, just working in secular business. I worked at the Great Indoors. Do you guys remember the Great Indoors? It's in that building that's now the at-home in Lone Tree. Um, I was the plumbing department assistant manager. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pastor John used to call me the king of crapper. I'm just, hey, sorry, if that was offensive, that's what he called me. Uh, but uh, you know what? In the middle of that pray, praying and asking God, uh, God gave me one of those moments where he kind of took the, the light and took it off the just step-by-step -step path, and he showed, showed me kind of the picture, and then he brought it right back. What he showed me was, I want you to serve the pastors at Jubilee Fellowship. I'm going to promote you to associate pastor, and then you'll be a senior lead pastor. And so I got super excited about that. As you can imagine, oh my gosh, this is what's going to happen. Okay. And then guess what? Wait. Wait. And so I'm going to pause the story and I'll tell the rest of it in just a minute. In Acts, then it moves on and Jesus tells them that it's not for them to know the dates or the times that he's going to return. They ask him, are you going to come and, and advance the kingdom, his kingdom? And he says, it's not for you to know. And then Jesus is taken up before their very eyes. And two men all of a sudden show up and say this. The way that he just left you, he will return. And Luke thinks that this is super important for us to understand, and I would agree. Because there's going to be a lot of lies and a lot of false witnesses of Jesus coming back. But... What my Bible says and what Luke wanted us to know is that when he returns, it's going to be just like when they saw him go up in the sky. We're going to see him come back. And I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like, but it's going to be incredible. Probably different dimensions that you and I can actually fathom, okay? So then the story keeps going. And in Acts 126, I want to read this first. Uh, well, before I do, let me set it up. So Peter, they, they, they wait. They, they go to this room, and they're just like, 
okay, we're waiting. We're just waiting. We're waiting on what God's going to do. And so then in the middle of the waiting, Peter decides, you know what we need to do while we're waiting? We need to, uh, we need to replace uh, Judas, his spot on the discipleship. There was 12 of us. He, um, he died. Uh, he betrayed and obviously killed himself. So we need, to, we need to replace him. And so Acts 126 says, then they grabbed people together. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, Matthias. Well, we'll just leave it at Matthias. What's the name? Matthias. Matthias thank you. I, man, Matthias. I couldn't, couldn't get it out. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Okay, here's my point, and I think Luke is very intentional about wanting us to see this, and I don't know if you've ever heard this, but a lot of, uh, a lot of teachers believe that um, they were not supposed to do this right here. First off, you never hear of those two men ever again in the Bible. Never again do you hear of, of this 12th uh, disciple. Um, it's the last time that I know of in the New Testament where they cast lots, which was something that they did in the Old Testament all the time to make decisions. They would cast lots, and wherever the lot fell, then that's how they would do it. They believed that the Lord would lead them through that process. And after this time right here, they never did it again. Why do you think they never did it again? I believe it's because the Holy Spirit came in. And what's interesting, though, is that they had the Spirit inside them already. I don't have time to go into John chapter 28, but he says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and they got it. So I believe, and I put it in my notes, that they fell short in the waiting. Have you ever fallen short in the waiting? Where God tells you something, and then he says, wait. And you're like... Now, no, now, no. And so for me, here we go. I told Pastor John those three things when, when we moved back from South Carolina, and Jubilee started to grow, and I was serving with all of my heart. He brings me on full time, and we are just doing whatever we can to help um, the church and what's happening. And in 2005, Jubilee moves from this little teeny storefront where we were running five services, and we move into the Lone Tree Building where they currently are. And um, in the matter of just a few months, we went from 8, or 800 people to 2,000 people. Just, it was just growing. And Pastor John came to Kim and I and said, are you guys ready to start your church? Because we had told him, hey, serve, associate, and you'll be a senior pastor. So it seemed good, seemed right, and it seemed appropriate for the need. And so we said yes, and we put together a team, and we, we got our worship pastor, and we got our kids pastor, and we got our associate pastor, and we started to, um, to start to have meetings. Uh, pastor John hired my replacement. I was in the business department at that time. And so we started to move forward, and I got away, and I was praying for vision for this new church. We were going to be over on the Ken Carl side of 470. We were going to call it the bridge. We had, I mean, we had all of this stuff lined up. And I'm praying, and this is what God tells me. I will be with you no matter where you go. But you can learn things with covering or without covering. Which would you choose? Covering. Well, I called my wife, and she goes, we're not doing this. I think it was a great relief for her. We got with Pastor John and Chris. Interesting enough, Chris had had a dream, and basically her dream was if they go start this, it won't go well. 
And so the four of us decided um, that we should pull back. Thank God we pulled back. And I tell that story because we were ready to jump in. We, we were going to supersede. We were going to go ahead of what God had for us. And how many times do we step out and move and, and presume that we know what God wants? He speaks something to us. And instead of waiting for him to actually speak the timing of it, we jump out into it only to be hurt. And then we get upset at God. Yes? And so I just want to encourage you. I hope that's an encouraging word that Luke wanted us to understand. Hey, we got to wait, and, and we need to wait well. And then Acts 2, 2 through 4 happens. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the key word that I want you to get out in this section of Scripture is the word suddenly. And suddenly... Suddenly, they were waiting, they were waiting. They didn't do a very good job in regards to that one area where they decided to cast lots. It's interesting because a little bit later on, um, they actually choose Stephen. And many people think Stephen actually should have been the 12th disciple. Um, we hear a whole lot about him in the, in the next few chapters, actually. But here we are, suddenly a sound. And so I just want to encourage somebody here. If you've been waiting... And maybe you've stepped out and tried to do things that before God's timing and it hasn't gone well. Maybe you've been disappointed and God recommits and reconfirms to you, no, I called you to this or I want you to do this. I just want to encourage you and I want to let you know there will be a suddenly. There will be a suddenly. And God is going to suddenly come into your life and make it relevant or make it real, make it obvious. This is now. Now the timings. Okay, so here's how this works out for Kim and I. So we didn't start the church. My job was gone because he had already hired my replacement. Thankfully, he was very gracious, created a position for me, became discipleship pastor. A year and a half later, we became a campus pastor. Four years later, we became uh, associate pastor or executive pastor. And the day John said that, I was reminded of what God told me. Serve the pastors, you will become associate pastor. The day he said, I need you to be the executive pastor over all this, I went, ding. Boy, that is the Lord. Suddenly, wasn't even expecting it. And then four years later, as many of you know uh, the story, this whole thing with Shine Church, it took place in one week time. I went from a conversation with Pastor John where he said, do you feel called to go start your own church? And I said, nope. And he said, good, I need you for a year and a half to the next day at lunch, him telling me, you know what, I think you need to go start your own church, and I want to give you the Castle Rock campus, and you should go do it. I looked at him, and I said, you're wrong. I said, nope. And then I had a dream that night. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. And I hope, again, this is an encouraging word, because I think what Luke is trying to help us to see in the early formation of the church is that God is going to speak. He's going to say, wait. If we wait properly, there's going to be a suddenly, and we'll be catapulted into the things that he has for us. Now, it goes on. As that happens, Peter preaches the word. It says they were cut to the heart, and 3,000 believers are added uh, to, or 3,000 people are added to the believers that day. Then... 
it, it goes into Acts 2.42, which is the structure of the early church. And we're going to talk about that at the end of this message. Then it moves on, and there's a man who is lame from birth that is healed by Peter and John. So now, now we don't just have Jesus that was healing. Peter and John actually healed this man, prayed for him. He was healed. And guess who doesn't like this? Who? The Pharisees. The ones that were supposed to be closest to God get irritated and upset that this man gets healed. And so Peter actually starts to preach again. The Pharisees get super upset. They actually arrest Peter and John. And in chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I hope this is incredibly encouraging for you because as we have been saying through all these stories, these people in the Bible are just men and women just like you and I. Yes? And I think sometimes we read these stories and we think that they are, um, they, they had like this special anointing or a greater anointing or they had something different that you and I don't have, but we have the same Holy Spirit, yes? We have the exact same Holy Spirit. And when God calls to us the thing that he's put in us, the purpose and passion or the reason that we're here on this earth today, hey, when he puts that into us, he will empower us to do these things. And I love what it says here. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Church, be encouraged. Because when God speaks to you, and you begin to step out into what he has for you, when he asks, asks you to step out into those things, he's going to begin to give you the words and the things to do, and people will be astonished because you're going to seem like an ordinary person that's doing this great, extraordinary thing. Yes? That's for every single one of us. Grab a hold of that. God wants to do the extraordinary through you and I. Grab a hold of that. But then understand where they were, Peter and John, because in Acts 4, 18 and 19, then they called them in. So, so they were astonished by this. They have this conversation. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? This man was healed. What are we going to do about these guys? They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. A little bit later, it says in chapter uh, five, the apostles actually are arrested. So we're fast forwarding a little bit. The apostles are actually arrested and put in jail. And Acts 5.29 says this, Peter and the other apostles replied to the Pharisees again, who are telling them, don't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. And they replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. All right, I'm going to stop real quick. We live in a world right now that is starting to spin a little bit out of control, yes or no. I want you to grab a hold of what Luke is trying to teach us here, and that is this. We have got to know what God is saying to us. We have got to obey him rather than anybody else. Do you agree with that? So then the question is, how are we hearing God? 
because that becomes the confusing part then. That becomes the struggle. And so I'm just going to quickly remind everybody, when you're seeking God, he can speak in many different ways. He can speak in your prayer time. He can speak through his word. He will speak through his word. He can speak through a mentor. He can speak in a message like this. He can speak through worship. There's many different ways that God will speak to us. But what I have found is that his voice sounds an awful lot like Dan. I'm Dan, by the way, for anybody that might not know that. For me, his voice sounds like me. If God sounds like me to you, go get help. God's going to sound a lot like you. Very rarely does God speak audibly. Dan. That would be wonderful. Yes. Jesus, please. Especially in this time. Speak to us. But it, he doesn't do that very often. And so it comes through your thoughts. The Word of God says that we have an enemy that has, comes to still kill and destroy. And his number one deception is to tell you that you can't hear God. He's whispering that to you all day long. He's trying to convince you, you can't hear God, you can't hear God, you can't hear God. And then he's doing whatever he can to cloudy or muddy the waters. I was counseling with this lady the other day, and I, she was questioning whether she heard from God. And, uh, and I just was like, okay, you know what? We're going to do a little practice real quick. I'm just going to say a quick word of prayer. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in just a minute. I'm going to say a quick little word of prayer. I want you to tell me what your thoughts are immediately after I get done praying. So I asked God, God, do you want so-and-so to be able to hear your voice? Make that clear to us. I said, amen. I said, all right, tell me what you thought. And she goes, well, my very first thought was absolutely yes. And my second thought was when I get everything in order. And I go, okay, so get this. You prayed, we prayed, God spoke, yes, absolutely. The enemy come in, came in and whispered, once you get everything in order. And I said, it's that quick. It happens that quick. And church, I want you to get this. If we are going to have the power, the boldness, the courage, the follow through that we talked about last week, to stand in front of people and ask them which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him. Or where they said, we must obey God rather than human beings. In order to be able to stand like that, we have to hear from God. We have to get into prayer. We have to ask him specific questions. And we need to stop watching and listening and putting all of our attention into Facebook and put it into Jesus book. God book, Bible book whatever you want to call it, let's get into the Word of God and let's decide what we're going to do in this world by what the Word is telling us. And if the Word isn't clear, then we have the Holy Spirit that will speak to us and give us direction. Listen to God rather than man. We've got to do this, church. We're not going to make a difference in this world if we are not listening to the, His Holy Spirit leading us. Because I can tell you right now, with all the different controversies and all the different things out there, we can pull the science for one area, and then I can pull another report, science for the other side. 
We can do all of that back and forth and all of these different things. What we need is we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us in prayer. He speaks to us in the word. Worship. He speaks to us in relationship. I'm going to talk about the formation of the early church. In Acts 2.42. And I want you to understand the concept of what I believe God is saying here. For us tonight. For this weekend. I believe God is asking us as a church to push into him like we've never pushed into him before. And if you're sitting here listening to me right now and you're like, Pastor Dan, I just don't know if I want to do that then take that before God right now. Don't be condemned by that. Don't feel guilt-ridden because that's what the enemy would tell you. But just go to God and say, God, give me a hunger. Give me a hunger for you that I haven't ever had before. Give me more of a hunger to get into your word. Give me more of a hunger to hear your voice. Give me a, more of a hunger for what you are desiring for your church. And we believe that Acts... And what Luke has showed us is a great picture of what not only the early church looked like, but what it could look like here and now, right now. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little interactive portion here. Uh, if you're new to Shine Church every once in a while, I will ask questions. And um, we're going to pass the mic around so the people online can hear um, what your answer is. I'm going to read six verses. And I'm going to read it two times. I want you to close your eyes when I read through these verses, or if you are a visual learner, you will. Um, do we have the scriptures on the screen, DJ? I know we were having problems during worship. We do. Okay, great. Um, so if you're visual, look at the screen. If you kind of see things in your own head, close your eyes. I'm going to read through these two times. But here's my question afterwards. What portion of this scripture really quickens your heart? What portion of this scripture kind of jumps out to you? What resonates in your heart and your mind? All right, Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'm going to read it one more time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right. What jumped out to you 
what resonated in your heart? Matt, you got the mic? Is that okay? Just lift up your hand and we'll, he's going to run to you with all his, no running? Okay, brisk walk, okay. Anything jump out? Right here. Oh, I thought, Sean, you were going to say something, which was going to just, I was going to be like, hallelujah. He's just turning the mic on. Okay, right up here front. They were always together. From it, They broke bread together. They had everything in common. They were always together. They were always together. Anybody disagree with that? Okay, now, again, narrative, normative. I I understand it's narrative, but could there be a normative piece of this where if we live life together, there could be strength that comes in what we're doing? I'm not saying it has to be the way that it was back there in Acts, but I think that there is something very important about being always together. Okay, somebody else. I patiently waited for the microphone. You did patiently wait. You didn't Thank jump you. out. You're Thank you. Doing waiting well. Um, uh, and now I have the. I can't remember it. But they and they added to their number daily. Or is that what it was at the end? Added to the number. Right. Or, yep. Absolutely. So from, and the Lord. And the Lord. And the Lord. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily. For me, it, I it, it, like it resonated for me because it was like cause and effect. Like, you know, they were doing all of these things, and then because of that, the Lord added to their number. That's good. Okay. Somebody else? There we go. There we go. A little jog. I like that they devoted themselves. I noticed when you read it, you emphasized that word both times. <laughs> Dang it, they caught me. No, did I? I didn't even. They devoted themselves. To <laughs> but it was a choice. We, I, when I first got saved when I was much younger, I had a pastor who used to always say, when you stop being conscientious, you start compromising. And I've never forgotten that because it really is quite true. They were very much focused in on purpose for this. That's good. Okay, real quick, could you just shout it out? We don't have to pass the mic. What does devoted mean? What'd you say? All in. in. What'd you say, Bob? Give all. Okay. Commitment. These are good words. If you look it up in the Greek, not what it means. Interesting. How many times do we put our own definition into what the word says? Hey, BibleHub.com, encourage you, go and look up the, just hit the verse number and then hit Greek, and you can see what it means. Devoted actually means this, to persist, to persevere, and to remain steadfast. Oh, isn't that good? They persisted. They persevered. They remained steadfast. In what? The fellowship, the apostles' teaching, sorry, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Hold that thought. Somebody else. 
I think the uh, message that I was hearing was, you know, walk by faith and, and be trusting and leave the outcome to God. I think a lot of times we get in our mind and we pray for things and we try to control the outcome. And it said that the Lord increased their numbers, not the apostles. That's good. And um, if you've been here any length of time, you know, my teaching on faith and that is faith comes by hearing Romans 10, 9, Romans 10, 17, actually, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And so you have to hear in order to have faith. So we have to have that relationship with God to be able to do these things. Anybody else? All the way over here. <laughs> everybody, this is Andy. This is his first time to Shine Church. So everybody say hi to Andy. Thank you for being bold to grab the mic. That's awesome. Well, the one thing I saw was the uh, many wonders and miraculous signs. God yes. was moving. The Holy Spirit was moving. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And then it says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Then it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. I'm going to submit to you that there's a divine order written here that Luke wanted us to get. And here's the order. When we devote, persist, persevere, steadfast in getting the apostles' teaching, in the fellowship of the believers, to breaking bread together, to praying for one another, what is going to happen? Things are going to happen that will amaze you. The first thing that's going to amaze the world is that there's a group of people that are doing this together. Have you ever thought about that? Janelle brought that up in our teaching team. She's like, could the awe and wonder be actually just a group of people that actually love and care and live life together in such a way that people are filled with awe and wonder at what's going on? Oh, that, that's so good. We always think about healings and all of that. And I believe some of those things were happening. We saw it in the story, actually. But, hey, when we devote ourselves to these things, when we're persistent, perseverant, and when we are steadfast in these things, hey, watch what God's going to do. And I believe it's going to fill us with awe and wonder. And then it says they had everything in common. See, I think a lot of times we want to have everything in common first without the devotion. Just think about that one for a little bit. We want it easy, don't we? Just like we don't like to wait, we don't want to have to go to the devoted part in order to get these things. God Give us something in common. God, give us the, the, the signs and miracles. Give us the things to be in awe and wonder. And then we'll be devoted to what you have for us. That's not the order that's written here. It says we're devoted first. Then the awe and wonder comes. And then the believers were together in common. You see that? Yeah. Well, you have the mic. You can, yeah, you can take over if you wanted, man. Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I live on a hall with 70 guys, and uh, it was a, we as a leadership team this year said that was a very spiritually dry hall. Um, a lot of guys weren't saved, and we did everything that we could to reach them. And it was very difficult and heartbreaking at times because you can only do so much. Um, but we 
really pushed and just prayed for those guys as much as we could. And literally one of the last nights this past semester, we had nine guys give their lives to Christ or rededicate their lives. And it was super powerful, but just as you were talking about waiting and just fellowship, just by being on a hall, living with these guys, loving them and hearing about their lives, just by being a part of their lives can do so much for people. So That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Anybody else? Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Hands going up. Um, kind of on that same note, I guess. Um, I, I, when I read this scripture, I just felt like humbleness. Um, they were completely humbled. Like they knew who God was, and they knew who they were in light of who God was. And yet mm. <laughs> that, like, that literally, so like, I believe just changed their perspective on how they related with people. And when you're relating with people, I just think that um, it's not easy. There are hard people out there to deal with. And I don't think all everybody's inconsistencies went away the moment they met Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody had their baggage, and they came in together, and they were all kind of hanging out together. And... It was the humbleness, though, of just, like, being together. you know, the grace and the mercy flowed through that humbleness. Okay, I'm going to, N-I-M-N, not in my notes, N-I-M-N, not in my notes, just following like there. I thought that was going to be funny. Okay, so scratch it. Don't ever let me say that again. Uh, Okay, so not in my notes. Uh, uh, Here's something that's interesting. So they had all of this in common, and just uh, in chapter four or five, you'll have to forgive me. Um, we we hear this story. Well, at the end of chapter four, it says that all the people were in one mind and heart. No one ever claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace was so powerful from time to time. Those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And then we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira, where they actually sold property, but determined between the two of them that they were going to keep a little bit. And I would, again, not planning to say this, but because you said that, Dean, I think there's a humility, absolutely, that we all need to have, because what happened is they conspired against the Lord, and everybody, there, there was so much power of God moving, and get a picture of this, they are they are just seeking God with all of their heart, they're doing whatever it takes to make sure the needs are met, and then there's this one couple that came and tried to conspire against the Lord, and the Holy Spirit killed both of them for that. Now, that seems really harsh and really drastic until you begin to realize that God is holy. And he himself says that when, if anybody were to see his face, they would fall dead. Could it be, I'm just, could it be that there was such a holiness and a pursuit of God that God's presence was getting so close and near to the early church that when somebody stepped out and tried to conspire against what was going on, that the holiness literally killed them. And that humility, Tina, that you talk about, I, just for whoever had ears to hear on that, I, the humility is such a huge part, but it just reminds me because Ananias and Sapphira didn't bring that humility into that offering. 
in the middle of that. And it was such a holy time that was going on. Could we get to church back to that, man? Oh, come on, Lord Jesus. That would be so cool. Ron, I knew you had something too. Oh, man. Okay. What always jumped out at me is the fact that it, it's mentioned over and over again throughout the Bible, the breaking of the bread and coming together and, and doing that, um, worshiping, talking, and the breaking of bread all through the Bible. Uh, big things always happened. When, when there was a breaking of the bread and God did a lot of things while he was breaking bread and okay. talking to the apostles and Perfect. giving them directions. Thank you so much. All right, so I'm going to conclude um, with the, the heart, and that is this. Listen, we, we just wrapped up our first year of doing um, what was an experiment with the house church. Um, we got with the leadership of the house churches and had a really good meeting uh, a couple meetings, actually, in order to accommodate everybody. And the general consensus from those meetings was that God is in this and God is moving in this way. Um, and so we're about to kick our second year of house churches off. Um, our first one's going to be August 28th and 29th. And I want you to understand that the reason that we're doing this, the reason that we're being led or we, f we feel led by the Holy Spirit is because of what is found right here in Acts 2, 42 through 47 and other sections in Acts for sure. But I think we would all agree with a lot of these statements that were being said that they sure were hanging out a lot. They were breaking bread. Do you know of the four things that they were devoted to? Listen to it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You cannot do three of four of those without a group of people in the room. Yes? We believe that we have a hard time to do that even here on a Saturday night or on a Sunday morning. Look around the room. If you wanted to get to know the people in this room, how long would you have to stay tonight to make sure that you got to know everybody or some little piece from everybody tonight. How long? Till like December? It, it wouldn't happen tonight. It, 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 you could get to know a couple people. In our three-minute greeting time, do you think this kind of relationship is ever going to be formed in a three-minute greeting time at church? If you come early... And if you were to leave late, let's say you come early 15 minutes and you leave 45 minutes after the service ends. Okay, I'll give you an hour there. Are you going to have this kind of relationship even just in that one hour? No. And if this is what Luke is trying to communicate to us, that there is a great power in getting together and being a part of a family, living life together, and I would submit encouraging and empowering each one of us to be able to hear from God, to know what to say in a world that's spinning out of control. We need one another. We need to sharpen one another. We need to stop following the rabbit trail of the world, and we need to start our own God trail and start talking about it together in small groups of people and encouraging one another, fellowshipping with one another, breaking bread with one another and praying with one another. And we believe that a way that God is asking us to do that is by shutting the doors 
on the last full weekend of every month so that we can go into smaller groups in houses throughout the community so that we can start to see some of these things happen. And we believe it's so important that we're going to do it another year. And we're going to keep checking back with God every year. We'll keep seeking his heart for it. But we believe that we're supposed to do this again. I know some people don't like it. I get it. Just so that you know, we have had people leave Shine Church because we're doing this and go to other churches. Look, I told our staff this. As long as they're going to other churches, I'm totally fine with that. It's still kingdom. Because the question came out, well, who do, you, who do you go after? If somebody walks away from the church and says they're going to walk away from God, I'm going after that one. Our leadership team are going after that. I would encourage you, go after that one. But if they're saying, hey, I don't like what's happening at Shine Church, and I'm going to go to another church, tell them, we love you, we bless you, and we understand. And my prayer and my heart and my hope is that a message like this is stirring something in you that goes, okay, I get, I get it. Do you know why we do, I do the interaction? Is because I think it opens up ideas and opens up thoughts. It makes you think a little bit. It helps you to practice what is the word of God saying so that I can apply it in my life. Because if we can't practice in church, where are we going to practice? I was ready for an amen right there. Do, do you want to practice? I mean, if we're going to follow God with all of our heart, if we're going to go after him, well, you know what? We're going to make mistakes. We're going we're gonna to mess it up from time to time. Not a single one of us are perfect in here, and we're going to make mistakes. I would much rather make a mistake in this room than out in town square with a bunch of people that don't know God. And Because I, I just know me. I'd clam up and just shut up. I wouldn't say anything. But, man, if I can learn and if I can practice, if I can be bold to pray, when the pastor asks for a prayer or speak out when he asks me, what, just jumping off the page here? I, you know what? That begins to give a boldness and courage to us. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do through the interaction in our church service. But then what happens, yeah, I'll be right there. But then what happens is when we do these house churches, it makes it even smaller. And it gets us into a place where we can actually interact with one another and actually begin to, hey, what do you guys think about this idea? And if the whole room goes, oh my gosh, that is amazing. That, I, I can't see any way that that's not God. You'd be like, really? Because I was talking myself out of it. And this group of people would just be like, oh man, you should totally do that. Or the vice versa, you tell them and they're like, um, have you read this verse? <laughs> have you thought about that? And you're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't. But hey, how, how are we supposed to sharpen each other if we don't interact with each other? How are we supposed to do that? Matt, uh, Mike, over here. Do you have to, oh, the mics, oh. No, it'll be on just a second, okay. Okay. I just really wanted to speak out on behalf of the house churches because it's really, ours was a really positive, amazing house church. And we, I've been coming here for two years off and on. And um, the house church just kind of solidified my 
relationship to this church because I was able to meet people that I'm sure I had seen in the church before, but by getting to know them and the people that ended up in our house church, we all became friends yeah. and we all like worshiped together. We all got to know each other, became vulnerable in, in through sharing and through the Bible study and through worship and uh, the, the children's pastor, Andy, not Andy, Stephen, was, Stephen is in, was in our house church and um, he was really shy about being the head of it, yeah. and, and uh, but now he's the children's pastor. <laughs> you know. Hey, you never know. You and never know what God's going to do. Absolutely. So I'm sorry. I, no, no, I just appreciate you sharing that testimony. Uh, and I just I want to encourage everybody. Listen, um, there's some house churches um, that are absolutely thriving right now, and and so we told our house church leaders there's probably a third of the house churches that are just excelling, and everybody's like. <laughs> love God and we love each other. Whoa, it's amazing. Then there's a third of the house churches that are uh, enjoying the process, but there's been some struggles. And there's probably a third of the house churches that are just really having a hard time connecting. I just want to encourage you in this. If you're expecting the commonality to come together before the devotion, I don't know if you're ever going to find that peace. The devotion of working together actually brings out the commonality. And one of our groups actually started meeting from Highlands Ranch a couple years before we even started house churches. And their testimony is the first year was really, really rough. And the second year got better. And now in this third year, they're really just loving doing life together um, in this group. And so I just want to encourage everybody, ask the Holy Spirit, is there something to this idea? Is there something that God could be doing in putting smaller groups of people together so that we can live life together, we can fellowship, we can break bread, and we can pray for one another? Could there be something that God is doing where they, um, every day they continue to meet together in the courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and ultimately, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Here's the correlation, and I'll finish. Every day, they continued to meet together, and daily, those were being saved. I don't know. Could there be a correlation? Every day, they met together, and daily, God was adding to their number. Right now, we're meeting in house churches monthly. I would be okay if God added to our number monthly. But if something like that started to happen, I promise you there would be an excitement that started taking place. Oh, my gosh, Pastor Dan, this, the neighbor came in. They, they just saw the cars, and they wanted to know. We invited him. They came in. They gave the Lord to the Lord. They're here sitting with me at church. Can you believe it? Ah, can we do house church again next weekend? It's amazing uh, when things like that start to happen. Um, and we think it's very important. Okay, so if you're a part of a house church, we want to encourage you. Uh, you should have got an email this week that asked if you're going to continue to attend. 
please respond to that email so that we can know um, who's in what groups. If you need to change, if you just didn't gel with that house church, let us know and we'll put you in uh, and get you involved in another house church. If you are not a part of a house church, we don't want anyone to be left behind. We want you to be a part of this process. Please come talk to me. Talk to Pastor DJ. Talk to Pastor Rob. Um, ask them. Uh, get more clarifying questions. Get any of your doubts uh, at least bring those out so that you can kind of hear the heart behind what we're doing. And we want you to just go before God and say, God, is this something you would have for, for me to do? And if it is, go to shinechurch.life slash housechurch. Shinechurch.life slash housechurch. And there's going to be three groups there. One is help me find a Saturday house church. Two, help me find a Sunday house church. And the third one is, I want to be included in the Zoom house church. I realize there's some people that still uh, are comfortable that way. Pastor DJ leads a Zoom house church, and actually he's been having incredible conversations, um, even though it's just on Zoom. Um, we have technology where we can do some of that stuff. Pray about this, and we hope that you will uh, participate and, and be a part of what we believe is God uh, is the hand of God in what we're doing as a church. And so I'm going to do something a little bit different real quick before I dismiss. Um, anybody have any questions? Sean, do you have the mic again? Oh, you okay. Hey, you're, you're now our mic runner. No. <laughs> any, anybody have any questions or thoughts? For, oh, me. DJ run. Well, the online people can't even hear loud. Yeah. Justin. Yeah, good. So just a real practical question. Um, my wife and I, like, we, we don't really care if it's Saturday or Sunday. We don't really care if there's child care or not. We don't, I mean, we've got preferences, but I think it's way more important for us to be um, in a community with people that are all in and about, like, all this. Like, that's what's important. So should I just check and say yes to all of them? And then let you guys... I was going to say, sign up for both the Saturday and the Sunday, yeah. and we will make sure that... Yep. All right. Yeah. We, we actually have plans for you, my friend. <laughs> Anybody else? All right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, just the early church and the, the, just the encouragement. I, Lord, I, once again, we tell these stories because we want to receive encouragement and inspiration from your word to guide us and, and lead us in our life. Lord, help us to be a group of people that are so in tune with you that when stuff comes that is contrary to your word and what you're doing, we can stand uh, and say, uh, what's more important, that I listen to God or to you in the world? And God, help us to have that understanding that, um, God, we need each other so that we can hear you. God, we hear you, yes, individually, but many times we hear you through the counsel of other people in our life. And so, Lord, stir in our hearts whether this is something that you would have for us to do. And, Lord, we thank you for these house churches. We thank you for what you're doing. And we just give you glory, honor, and praise in your name. Amen. Amen.